For much of its running time, Audition doesn't even feel like a horror film. It almost starts like a gentle romantic comedy with a middle-aged widower named Aoyama goaded into agreeing with a film producer pal's scheme to find him a new wife by holding fake movie auditions. As things develop, their plan seems more and more dodgy, but nothing can prepare them for the final outcome. Gays and Ghouls, I'm Katie Toole. And I'm Sean Reedy. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about true love and piano wire. Mm, so romantic. Mm. Isn't Tonight. it just? <laughs> <laughs> this wire cuts through bone and meat. No, what did she say? <laughs> this wire cuts through meat and bone easily. <laughs> uh, if you haven't figured it out by now... Tonight we are discussing Audition, which is our first Japanese horror movie. Uh, I love it. We finally are diving into a foreign language film. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what a great one to start with. I was just going to say, I feel like this is a good one to start with. Yeah. Um, because in many ways it is within the tradition of Japanese horror, and in many ways it departs from it. Yes. Like, one thing that I... Um, I did a little bit of research on Japanese horror film in general, and we'll talk about that later in the episode. But one thing that stands out to me, and this is, you know, in my own memory, I was a teenager when this when this happened, um, was that for a while, like every other horror movie that came out was a, an American remake of a Japanese horror film. Yep. Right. I mean, it just like the entire first decade of the 2000s. <laughs> Um, the ring the grudge right (laughs) one missed call dark water oh my gosh (laughs) shall we go on and then all of the sequels to all of those movies right um this one never got an american remake no and i don't see them doing it justice i don't well i mean a lot of the a lot of the you know the ring notwithstanding most of the others were pretty terrible i i mean It's fair. I will say, and I, it may just be that I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember watching Dark Water. Dark Water is actually not bad. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. Dark Water is not bad. Um, and The Grudge was like in there. It was okay. Yeah. Okay. No. You know what though? The Ring. I will give it to The Ring. I fucking love The Ring. No, The Ring is absolutely the best one. Yeah. Like. Hands down. By a mile. Yeah. But, but like you know. it, they are all. Just lesser than mm-hmm. the original. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm. Um, I don't think that American studios would have touched this movie. No. With a 10-foot pole. Mm-hmm. Um, in all of the others, in all of the others, there are female leads. Mm-hmm. But they're the victims. Right. And if they're not the victims, if it's like Samara Morgan, right, mm-hmm. who is a female, but she's dead, right? She's a ghost. Right. So this movie being about a woman who inflicts violence 
this extreme mm-hmm. of violence. I don't think that, especially in 1999, 2000, 2002, whatever, that American Studios would have made this movie. Mm-hmm. Even as popular as as this was. Right. I don't think they would have touched it. No, I don't I don't see them touching this either. It's mm-hmm. just such an extreme film. Mm-hmm. And and I love that they go from one extreme to the other. They absolutely do. Yeah, I mean it's like uh the first 3 quarters of this movie. Mhm does not at all feel like the signature style of the director, uh-uh. Takashi Miike. Like, and then it's like he just turns it on all of a sudden, mm-hmm. right? He did train under Shohei Imamura, who was, um, you know, kind of a giant of the Japanese new wave. And the first portion of this film feels more like that kind of movie. Takashi Miike is, of course, currently known for all of these incredible, like, borderline torture porn horror movies, right? Mm-hmm. This is, like, his first main foray, foray into horror. Like, the main one. Yeah, I mean, this was, this was relatively early in his career. Mm-hmm. And he actually had three films in 2001 mm-hmm. on the festival circuit. Um, in the U.S. and Europe. This film, Ichi the Killer, which is one of those just, like, oh. off-the-wall manga-style, like... So good, too. Crazy. Um, and then he had another one that was what was more of a more of a drama, less, less what he's known for. Because mm-hmm. he actually, despite what he is famous for and known for internationally, he's actually directed everything. Because... <laughs> right. <laughs> He's directed everything from this to children's films, from Ichi the Killer to children's films, because Takashi Miike has 109 directing credits, and he's been working for 30 years. I'm going to say that again. Takashi Miike has 109 (laughs) directing credits, and he's only been working for 30 years. He's only 60 years old. So he's, you know, just done a few projects here and there. I mean, the year that he made Audition, he also had at least three other feature films and then, like, a TV movie and a TV miniseries in addition to this. So, I mean, to say the guy is prolific is a profound understatement. I actually looked it up because I wanted to see how he compared to some Western directors who are considered prolific. Mm-hmm. Right. So I looked up specifically um, Howard Hawks, John Ford and Alfred Hitchcock. OK. John Ford has close to 150 directing credits over his career, but his career spanned from the early days of film, like 1917 to shortly before his death in the early 70s. So that's like more like 50 years. Right. Right. Um, so if, if, and then uh, Hitchcock had 70 film credits in 50 years. So if Mike keeps up this pace for even another 15 years and retires when he's 75, 
he he will be one of the most prolific directors of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he already is one of them, but he might he might actually be the most <laughs> prolific director of all time if he keeps it up for again even another decade. And he's only sixty, so there's no reason to think that he won't. And he really does. He just keep whipping them out. Like, he does. Just left just and like, right. Uh, one of the articles I read actually talked about how there was like a distribution log jam of his films in the late 90s because he was making like six of them a year. Right. So like this movie, for example, did not release in Japan until over a year after it was made. Right. Right. Like it was on the festival circuit Mm -hmm. going around. Right. Obviously it didn't release in the U.S. until 2001, but that's like Mm -hmm. not that unusual. Right. But like even in Japan, it took over a year for it to get to theaters because like there was a a like distribution logjam of Mike films and that is why there were three Mike films on the festival circuit in 2001 <laughs> which Mike film would you like to go see today right <laughs> you can have like a a whole little mini marathon of just right? Mike films it's you could have quite a large marathon of Mike I... films actually but despite his wide and varied filmography this is the film that put him on the map internationally. Yes. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Uh-huh. So yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cut into this film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but first it is Shock Tale Hour. Tonight's Shock Tale <laughs> is called The Good Wife. Uh, it is, given that this is our first Japanese horror movie, of course, this drink has sake in it, right? Absolutely, because why would it not? Only fitting. Um, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to muddle some mint in your shaker. You're going to add two ounces of plum sake. You're going to add an ounce of gin. We, of course, use our favorite two James gin. Absolutely. Um, keep it local, friends. Keep it local, friends. You are going to shake that up with some ice, strain it into a glass with ice as well, and top it off with soda water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also kept local because we used Vega. (laughs) (laughs) Sure did. So yes, this drink is... It's very refreshing. Very refreshing. You know what? It's like, it's very springy. Yeah, it puts a spring in your step. As long as you have it. I feel sorry for all the people who are listening to this episode who have not seen Audition. <laughs> yeah. No, know that I am not shaming any of you who do not have feet. Right. Yes. This is no, we're not actually making fun of anyone who doesn't have feet. That's no. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Live your best life, but anyway. <laughs> Some very bad people in this movie don't have feet. <laughs> yep. For reasons. Yeah. Which we will get into. We will get into. Now, I'm going to be reading off these characters and the actors that portrayed them. I am going to acknowledge my whiteness and the fact that I may butcher these names slightly, but I just know that I did my best. All right? Here we go. So we have Shigeharu Ahoyama, who is played by Ryo Ishibashi. That is the man in love of this film. We have the crazy Asami Yamakazi, who is played by 
Ehi Shina. We have Shigehi Shigehiko. Yep. We have Shigehiko Aoyama, played by Tetsu Sawaki. We have the friend of the father, the co-worker, and kind of the master behind this lovely little manipulation scheme. Yasuhisa Yoshikawa, played by Jun Kurimura. And that's the cast. There it is. There it is. Not very big. Not very big at all. So a fun little fact, too, just oh. since we mentioned... I love fun facts. We're here for fun facts. <laughs> um, Ehishina, before this movie, has not done any acting at all. She's a model. Yes, which was a brilliant casting decision. One million percent. I am in love with the fact that they casted a model who has no prior acting experience, and it doesn't show well no she's very talented but the reason i think it's brilliant is because no one had any expectations of her right people walked into this movie i mean obviously in the united states they might not know Mm -hmm. anyway because god knows we never pay attention to anything that's ever happening as americans but (laughs) even in japan the most anyone knew her as was a pretty face right and so they had no expectations. If she had been in any movie before where she played some sort of, like, even remotely dark character, mm-hmm. it would have given away the twist. Right. So by casting this pretty young girl that no one had any expectations for, it guaranteed that everyone was going to fall for it. Mm-hmm. And everyone was going to think she was exactly what she was projecting. And nobody had, like, a little, like, but wait a minute, this chick is always, right? Right. Like Lily Taylor, right? Like, mm-hmm. right? Like, we were talking about how some people are in a certain type of role enough that you start associating them with that role. Right, exactly. So, one of two brilliant moves here is either casting an unknown. Mm-hmm. Or the other one would have been, like, casting someone who is known for the opposite type of role. Yes. But, you know, they went with Mm -hmm. the unknown here. But, um, yeah, I I think that's really interesting, too. And Mm -hmm. she did do a phenomenal job because, I mean, if Sheena had not been a good actress, this movie could have gone off the rails real quick. Mm -hmm. Like, that final sequence, which is so chilling would have simply been hilarious right? if she wasn't as terrifying as she is. It was all on her. Gosh, she did such a great job. Mm -hmm. And the... Yes. I'm like, I can't say it that fast. I should. (laughs) I'm glad you did. Um... That was something that she, like, was just saying to herself, and they kept it in. Really? That was not supposed to be in the movie. That is fast. So that was an ad lib. 
Uh-huh. That is the most famous line in the film. Uh-huh. Or that's like the f- most famous moment in the film. Uh-huh. I mean, in fairness, it probably would have been the most famous moment in the film had she not said a goddamn word. Right, but they kept However, it in. However, but they kept it in because it's just so chilling. Yes. Because she sounds so happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, she sounds so gleeful. And it's so fucking creepy. Wow. Creepy, 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 creepy. See, I want to say it like... Kitty, 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 kitty. Yeah, you it's have almost, to like, like a T in there. Almost like... You roll. Right, like pretend that you are drunk and calling a cat. Don't let us see me near your cat. Right. <laughs> or your dog. Oh, speaking of that. <laughs> oh. Yes. What a segue. Uh-huh. Did not do that on purpose. Yeah, it was a Last week segue. we mentioned the website doesthedogdie.com. Yes, we did. Um, that is, in fact, a real website. Mm-hmm. When I visited it while I was editing the episode to make sure that it was, in fact, the real a real website and we weren't both having, like, a shared fever dream. <laughs> it could happen. Which, I mean, could absolutely happen and probably has. Uh what I found is that doesthedogdie.com no longer only tells you if a dog dies. It actually uh, has a number of categories that people flag that are myriad triggers mm-hmm. um, for people. Is there drug use in the movie? Is there suicide or talk of suicide? Is there sexual abuse? Is there gaslighting? Is there, you know... Everything right down to, like, um, are there horrific noises, right? Mm-hmm. Which this film would definitely be flagged in that one. Yes, it would. But that being said, I actually think that's really cool. Right. So, like, if <laughs> if you do have a trigger of some kind, mm-hmm. um, that uh, I feel like that's a really great resource to, yeah. like... Obviously, it's very spoilery, right? But, right. like, would you rather be spoiled or be triggered? I would rather be spoiled. So, yep. um, so definitely check that out. If there's something that, like, tends to um, really jar you when you're watching a film and it pops up, mm-hmm. go see if it's on doesthedogdie.com. Um, because it it might very well be, and it might save you some distress. Yeah. I, I find that fascinating, too, because I, like, I... I remember when they started off that website, or at least when I heard about it, mm-hmm. it was like probably like at least ten years ago. Oh yeah, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, so I love. That. <laughs> Say that again, Katie. <laughs> talking with my fucking mouthful on a podcast. Everyone ask Katie how that starburst is. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> Excuse me, they were bottle caps. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> sincerest apologies. <laughs> we have a drawer of candy. Yep. It is a big drawer of candy, It's a by the big way. drawer of candy. Yeah. This is what happens when you start a podcast at Halloween. Yep. Yeah, I went ham. <laughs> you did. I was like, oh, that bag of candy looks good. It's on sale? <laughs> 450 pieces of candy. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and then I was like, well, I mean, this doesn't really have any chocolate in it. And I mean, like, I can't have chocolate. Katie can have chocolate. So I, I must buy her it. chocolate. <laughs> and this is why I love chocolate. One of the many reasons I love <laughs> I buy her chocolate. <laughs> Friendship 101. Um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yes, does the dog die? die. <laughs> yes, does the dog die.com has been around for a good long time. Yes. I think probably over a decade. It's probably been longer than that, I'm sure. And I it mean, used to be literally just it told you if a dog died. Yeah, that was it. It was a very simple web page. Yep. Apparently. They've expanded significantly. Yeah, it, has, it has grown mm-hmm. in, in the years, uh, in the intervening years. I applaud them. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, anyway, audition. Mm-hmm. Um, audition is at its core the story of a very stupid man <laughs> he just makes bad choice after bad choice after yeah. bad choice does not deserve what he gets no no but stop being dumb poor choices all around yeah like you just I get it that you are very lonely at this point you've mm-hmm. Like, you want to have a partner. Right. Well, because his wife, I mean, when they flash back to his wife's illness and mm-hmm. her death, his son, who's now practically grown, is a little boy. So, like, he's, yeah. he's been widowed for a long time. Yeah, it was seven years. Oh. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, that's something you actually know. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the things that I don't, Katie, <laughs> he's been widowed. Seven years. I'm glad you knew that. I... <laughs> I just happened to I happened to catch it. It was there was a a quick seven years later. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, I must have been looking away at that. It moment. was quick. Mm-hmm. So. So that's a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a long time to be alone. And and I mean even even his son is asking him like, are you going to ever remarry? Are you going to find a new a new wife? Right. I mean, that's that's his sort of, like, uh, primary motivator mm-hmm. in in getting this ball rolling is that even his own child's like, listen, I will be grown soon mm-hmm. and you will be completely alone yeah. and I don't want that for you. So I think you should find a new wife. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know. Ayama does it in the, uh, it's just the worst way possible. The, uh, like, <laughs> and I mean, it's not, it's not really fully his fault. Um, That's true. It was not his idea. Yeah, no. Yoshikawa, his friend mm-hmm. slash coworker is the one that's like, let's do an audition for a fake movie. Right. You wrote this, this, uh, Scripts. Supposed to be like a soap opera type, yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, we're just going to change the characters around and audition a bunch of women for it. Mm-hmm. Well, like, the thing is, Aoyama has such a specific set of requirements for a partner. Yes. Which is not a good way to look for a partner. No. <laughs> when you're like, when it is really like you are putting out a, a, a casting call. Right. Right? Like, it's that level of... Like, must be good at, must know how to play the piano or 
have dance ballet. Like, right, like it's a really bizarre thing to ask, and one can only imagine that that has something to do with his late wife yes. and like what she did, mm-hmm. right? Um, I believe she was a piano player. Was she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the friend like points that he like even the friend was like. That's really close to like what your wife was like, right? And and like the 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 styling of the two characters, very similar. Is very similar. So it's like yeah. it's clear that this is part of the reason he was drawn to Asami in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his friend puts together a cattle call, right? Right. And I actually was uh, going to suggest that the rule of Fright Club be <laughs> don't use a cattle call to find a partner but i mean really what is tinder <laughs> and i mean as a gay man or grinder <laughs> grinder scruff manhunt daddy hunt is there one called man? hornet <laughs> should i go on oh, please i mean this could be its own podcast um <laughs> but the difference between this and tinder is that everyone on tinder knows why they're there yep the difference here is that they were lying, mm-hmm. which is never a great way to start out a relationship. It's a really horrible way to. Even if you don't end up dating a sadistic psychopath, probably still was not going to end well, Ayama. Like, nope. it was not going to go well for you. It's not the right way. Also, the cattle call was for women in their 20s to early 30s. And right. he... Like, that is closer to his son's age than his. Yes. Yeah. There's a point (laughs) where when his son finally knows about the girlfriend that Uh he's like, oh, yeah, she's a little bit older than me. Right. Yeah. She's like 22 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. No. Anyway. Stop trying to date people that are a mirrored reflection of the person that you're with in a younger age. I was just going to say, except 25 years younger. Yeah. Like, stop that. Stop it. Stop trying to go for the newer model. Yeah. Women are not cars. So they hold this audition. Mm-hmm. And they get a lot of applications. They get a lot of applications. He has to narrow it down to 30. Mm-hmm. He does that. I love he, like, turns his wife's photo away from him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While he's doing that, like, I don't want you to see this, honey. Because he knows. He knows the whole fucking time mm-hmm. that this is not good. Like, he knows. Still does it. Still does it. Ignores 87,000 red flags, this man. Mm -hmm. Stupid. Stupid man. And at this point, though, this is when he notices Asami's uh, application. Right. Her resume. And immediately drawn to her. Mm -hmm. And when they, so next they end up hosting the audition. Mm -hmm. And he is waiting for her to show up. Right. Like, it may not be as completely blatant there, but... When C flips to the next, I think there's a moment where he like flips to the next page and I'm like, he's looking for her name. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. He is, he has already, he has already fixated on her. Absolutely. Um, which speaks to just how deep into the fantasy he is and how he is not thinking of this woman as a real person. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when she does show up, she's perfect. She's, well, and he already knew this, but he, she was a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. She is pretty. Mm-hmm. She is prim. 
She is docile. She is dressed in all white. Mm-hmm. You know, she she does not look as if she has dolled herself up, right, for this audition at all. Um, she is simply perfect. She is playing like I I actually think this is really a brilliant move. Uh, again, a brilliant move on Mike's part because. Mm-hmm. I was talking about how the beginning of this movie doesn't feel like a, a Takashi Miike movie, mm-hmm. and it feels more like a like Japanese New Wave, or or even before that, right? Like even like um, like the fifties, like mm-hmm. Tokyo Story, right? Um, this is a film about filmmakers, right? Right. So he auditions her for a role, and she's playing it mm-hmm. to perfection. Until she can't right. anymore, right? Until she can't hold it up anymore. But I don't know. It's just interesting to me because it's like how, when, what, at what point did she begin targeting him? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But anyway. So he goes off on this like weird questionnaire mm-hmm. that is not something that you would normally ask anyone that you're auditioning. Um, <laughs> I mean, unless but... you're faking an audition um so after they end the auditions Mm -hmm. you know uh his friend is like you already fix it like he knew that he already chose her from before they even started the audition right he's like why do we even do this right (laughs) it was just like you could have just called her from the script right or from the resume um but then we wouldn't have a movie that's also true based on a movie that wasn't really a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Enigma wrapped in a mystery. Wrapped in a... <laughs> so, um, Yasuhisa mm-hmm. is creeped out by her, like, from the get-go. Right, which is also interesting, because, like, he seems to be, Ayuama is the only one who is not. Right. Like, she has somehow honed into exactly what he wants so much, and he wants it so badly that, like, everyone else can see right through her, mm-hmm. which is just gorgeous. I mean, like, the fact that right away his friend is, like, bad vibes. Right. Like, weirdness. Like a moth to a fucking flame, though. Right. Yeah, he's already gone. Yep. Because, like, he already knows that uh Aoyama is interested in her like he ends up doing like a little bit of digging into her resume and he's like oh she this is fake like doesn't have an agency right like they they're like no 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 her a that this agent that you're talking about has been missing for a year mm-hmm. red flag Red. What color is that flag, Katie? It's definitely red. Oh, okay. It might be like a crimson, actually, because it's just such an intense red flag. Yeah. Like, although, let's face it, they're faking the audition. Right. So, I mean, really, they can't blame the women for faking their resumes. <laughs> Everybody's faking everything. Everyone's fake. And, of course, he, uh, Aoyama's like, meh. It's fine. I don't care. Everything's fine. All of her other references end up being dead ends as well. Quite literally. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yasuisa 
tries to pinpoint this girl mm-hmm. and he can't right and he tells ayama this right and he simply does not care right he is already so deep into this that the problems that are piling up and like even the guy who came up with the idea being like you know maybe this wasn't the best idea mm-hmm. isn't gonna stop him so he calls her <laughs> and uh, that scene here's your first clue uh-huh that maybe his friend's right is it the first time that he calls that you see the bag rolling and everything it is the first time isn't it okay. i believe so you would at least see you at least see the bag mm-hmm. and you see that she is just sitting by the phone right on the floor yes and it is the first time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so he decides yes so he decides that he's going to call her and it keeps flashing back and forth and then suddenly it's just sitting the camera's just sitting there staring at uh asami sitting on the floor staring at the phone with a bag in front of her mm-hmm. and you're like what is what is happening and the phone starts ringing it's a lumpy bag it is a very lumpy bag. And that lumpy bag starts moving. Mm-hmm. Starts rolling around. Mm-hmm. The, if if you haven't caught on to the fact that this woman is fucked up in <laughs> some way. There's something wrong here. There's something very wrong here. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> just watch the people you date then, because Jesus Christ. Right? Um, maybe we change your locks. Maybe. So, they date a few times, um, and and he is of course infatuated with with her completely. Um, and Yasuhisa is like ends up being like, you know, you really shouldn't date her. I'm just getting, I'm sensing some like bad situations going on with this, right. like some bad things headed your way mm-hmm. if you continue to date her. Mm-hmm. And he does pick up on that. Like, he actually, like, is like, okay, I won't call her for, mm-hmm. like, two days. Um, but he can't help himself. He can't. Mm-mm. Because she's perfect. Mm-hmm. So the next date that he goes on with her ends up being, like, basically the date that he realizes that she's the one. Mm-hmm. Mind you, after this date... When he gets home, this is when he tells his son that he's dating someone. Mm-hmm. And and his son's excited. He's like, he's like, that's awesome. And right. like, that's this is cool. This, this is, is what I want this for what you. I, yeah, this is what I was you to looking be happy. for. Um, and he tells his son that he wants to. He's going to propose. In fact, the son, I believe, uh, asks him if like he's going to propose. Him, yeah. yeah. Um, but even the son's like, I should meet her first. Right. And well, and like, let's be clear, they've known each other for like a month at this point. And yeah. like, it, th- I mean, I'm a lesbian and that's too soon. Okay. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Well, you know, and I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> God bless. So Aoyama ends up going away on their weekend getaway with Asami. Um, they're having a good time. Uh, Aoyama's like, oh, we're going to go to dinner. Let's, what should we do before we go to dinner? And Asami's like, 
My name is Book, and I'm here to fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. I mean, I should, I definitely should not look at my phone when we're recording because. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally the first thought that I had. Right. I don't know why. Kill Bill. Yes. But first, she's like, you basically have to pledge your undying love for me. Yes. And also, here are my scars. Literally. Like, yeah. The physical ones. Right. (laughs) She's up. (laughs) We've got over the emotional ones. Yeah. So now let's let's take a look at the actual physical ones. Mm-hmm. And um, by now it has been sort of starting to be revealed that this woman has had an absolutely horrific life. Mm-hmm. Um, that she has been exploited and or abused by nearly everyone who she's ever been under the supervision of, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone she's ever trusted has hurt her Mm -hmm. doesn't excuse her behavior no no richard ramirez had a shitty childhood too it doesn't mean it's okay to go like you know cut people's heads off sure does not anyway neither here nor there we'll get to that later oh i should also mention that uh while asami wanted to fuck uh ayohima wanted uh cheesecake (laughs) (laughs) maybe cheesecake maybe a uh museum some coffee right i mean he was going for romance yes right and she was going to she was going for i, I want to say the kill right but like not the <laughs> i mean it was like the she was going for sealing the deal yes as quickly as possible yes and and that wasn't specifically like it ties into intimacy but it wasn't actually for a pleasurable purpose it was it was to lock him in right it was to get this it was to get this promise out of him mm-hmm. hmm. and then he wakes up and she's gone yeah so now he's all kinds of fucked up mm-hmm. yeah because i mean she forced him to like she was like only love me only love me right and keep those words in your mind only love me and then let's have sex. And goodbye. And bye. Like, what? See you later. So he decides he's going to find her. Mm-hmm. Because that is absolutely what you should do if a woman who everyone has tell- telling you is unstable suddenly disappears on you, is absolutely do everything you can to make sure that that person is back in your presence. Really, if no. somebody breaks <laughs> up with you in, in that shitty a way goodbye let him go yeah yeah right like just see ya so long farewell (laughs) if you didn't say goodbye goodbye but as we have reiterated at this point several times this man is very stupid man is very stupid off he goes to find asami Mm -hmm. first place ballet studio (laughs) where he finds a monster mm-hmm. alone in the dark <laughs> like this yeah, man what the fuck just sitting in the dark playing piano also i have to believe that japan in the late 90s had better prosthetics than that yes like he's wearing shit on his feet that looked like something out of the edo period <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> so weird like, i 
why are you wearing clogs? I don't understand. I mean, like, literally, like, yeah, it was like weird, <laughs> like, like paper mache. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah, no. These are these are not practical. No, no, no. Um, yeah, that that there was definitely better options back mm-hmm. in the day. I'm sure of it. Yeah, Japan, um, Japan's pretty advanced. Yes. <laughs> like, would have definitely had some, like, actual prosthetic legs for you, buddy. Nah. Um, what, okay, also, like, there has to be another entrance because that place is boarded up and that man was just sitting in there playing the piano. Like, what? What? Right. Or he has just been there. But how? Like, without, like, where's the food? Well, but I mean, so it was boarded up, yes, but like, he got in fairly easily. So if, if say he like had food like delivered, I don't know. I mean, there, there is a certain, like, yes, this movie is very like realistic. It's set in, in sort of a rational world. Like it's Mm -hmm. set in, but there are definitely plenty of moments, especially after they have sex mm-hmm. and she disappears where things are not explained. And I think yes. that, I think that how that guy is in that, still in that studio all by himself, whether he's actually there, right? Like true of whether he's some kind of like ghost or vision or whatever, mm-hmm. like when did she kill him? Did she kill him after? That's true because, yeah, you you eventually do see her kill him, but you right. don't know when. You don't know when because it's all in this. It's in that, like, dream, vision, flashback. Clusterfuck. Mashup, right, <laughs> that, that, that Aoyama goes through. Yeah. So the, the, the timeline during that portion of the movie is not linear, right? right. So you don't know if she, like, went to the dance studio after Mm -hmm. uh, he had already been there and killed the guy or if that guy was already dead. Right. Which would make sense. And he was Since the place is boarded up. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. This is also when you discover that um, the burns that that Asami had shown Aoyama is due to sexual abuse. Right sadistic yes sexual abuse mm-hmm. um where she was not just molested she was tortured yes and molested mm-hmm. um by this man right so he leaves and goes to the next place which is this shady hole in the wall bar mm-hmm. place right where she claims to have worked yes she, yeah, she was claiming to have worked and helped out three days a week. Mm-hmm. Helped out there with her friend, who was her the owner, I believe, is what she said. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, When he gets there, he's stopped by just a man walking by that's like, there's no one there. That place has been boarded up. They're closed. There was a, a horrible murder there. Mm-hmm. Where the manager was chopped up into little bits. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where the murders take a little bit of a turn because the manager is a woman. Mm-hmm. Now, 
as she stated though asami was like yeah this is my friend right Mm -hmm. what i gather from this so um i feel like i just kind of tied things together a little bit more and i feel like i could have okay that's okay so so let me backtrack a little bit so um the man that was walking by is like, yes, this person was chopped up into little bits. And when the police tried reconstructing the body, mm-hmm. they found an extra, I believe it was like three fingers, a tongue, an, and an ear, ear. Mm-hmm. from another body that they didn't know mm-hmm. whom it belonged to. Mm-hmm. We later find out who that belongs to. Yes, we do. Presumably the man she was infatuated with. That woman was in the way of Asami, which is why she killed her. Right. I mean, like, let's be clear. This woman is a serial killer. Yes. Like, straight up sadistic serial killer. Mm -hmm. And while her primary targets are men, Mm -hmm. there is no reason to believe that she would not be fully willing to get rid of a woman who was in her way. Uh Right. And so I may have missed this part. Was the man with whom she was infatuated that we're assuming this bar manager was involved with and that's why she killed her? Mm-hmm. Is that the guy in the bag? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which that would make sense also because that's why she mixed his parts with hers. Right. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Because it was all done at the same place. At the same time. Yep. But she kept him. Yes. For over a year. In a burlap sack. Mm-hmm. And fed him vomit that looked like cafe au lait. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdest looking vomit of all time. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be gross, but why are there no chunks? I don't understand. I don't understand either. <laughs> what did she eat? She's like, like, does she drink nothing? Does she just drink and sure and that's all the only thing? <laughs> Why does your creamed corn have no corn in it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Gross. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, clearly that Aoyama is just like, I just, I'm just still infatuated with this woman. He's not getting it. And right. He's about to learn his hard lesson. Yep. So he goes home and he has a drink. Yes. Um, oh, right before this though, uh, Asami sneaks into his house, ends up seeing the picture of his wife still on his desk. Right. Gets mad. Right. Because of course he hasn't stopped loving his late wife. As- right one wouldn't right like even if you're looking for a new love Mm -hmm. there would always be a place in your heart for the person that you lost and any reasonable rational person who's not a psychopath would understand and accept that maybe uh you're like i don't know but (laughs) (laughs) but yes so we don't what's interesting about the scene where she sneaks into the house is that we are only um, we are only seeing that through her point of view. Mm-hmm. So you never actually see her in the house until he sees her in the house. Right. Which is interesting. So he has a drink. Mm-hmm. He sits down in his chair. 
And this is where things take a hard left turn. Yeah. So there have been clues to it, right? Mm -hmm. You see her in the apartment with the burlap sack that seemed to have something live inside of it, right? You hear about the fact that people in her life seem to disappear Mm -hmm. or get murdered or get maimed. But it is at this point when he is drugged, Mm -hmm. right? His drink, she drugged his whiskey. It is at this point when he is drugged and falls into that dream slash vision slash flashback that this truly becomes a Takashi Miike movie, mm-hmm. right? And it is such a sharp turn that, I mean, it left people breathless, yeah, like just in shock. I mean, it was a full departure. Yeah, it was just like you're suddenly you're watching an entirely different film, mm-hmm. right? With you know, um, just you you witness the horrific abuse that she suffered as a child, and you witness uh, the man who she is keeping in that burlap sack emerge from it, which is just an absolutely brilliant moment mm-hmm. because Ayoyama is just there like oh shit Uh like what the fuck have i gotten myself into yep and you see her like we mentioned earlier you see her cut off the the head of her abuser yes which Mm -hmm. you know it's a good moment that one that one kind of kind of understand yeah oh yeah ayoyama's a little bit of a creeper he doesn't deserve what he got no the other guy might have deserved what he got Mm. but Yeah, probably shouldn't have done it, but I mean, I mean, I am a full believer of two wrongs don't make a right, but also fuck that guy. (laughs) I mean, like with capital F. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Um, so this is when, this is also the moment that this movie, like, launched itself into legendary status yes right like this last 10 15 minutes at least at right yeah um is really all anyone talks about yeah right uh because it is just like i said even if you were like oh she's clearly Mm -hmm. She is clearly not what she seems. She is clearly causing these bad things to happen to people. You did not expect the things that she did and the way that they shot it. Yeah. Oh, yes, because this is when we get into the best torture porn. Like, because it's, it's borderline torture porn, but like... It is. Um, like, this is, yes. Like, this actually, I think, probably... Kind of began it. Right. I mean, this movie influenced the filmmakers uh-huh. that would go on to make yeah, the Eli torture Roth. porn. <laughs> Eli Roth, like, absolutely cites this movie mm-hmm. as an influence on his later work. Mm-hmm. And here's a fun fact. If you've seen Hostel, um, Takashi... Mike has a cameo. What? Yes. In Hostel, he is one of the people who is paying to torture people. He's one of the clients. Oh, my God. 
God, yep. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And he actually, he has lines and he says them in English. He does not speak a word of English. So he had no idea what he was saying. But just as Eli Roth, <laughs> just as Eli Roth admires Takashi Miike, he admires Eli Roth. And so when Eli Roth reached out and asked him to do it, he said, sure, I'll do it. And just, and they just sort of like taught him phonetically how to say the lines and then off he went. So I'm rewatching Hostel right. for this specific moment. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Yep. All right. Game on. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, this is truly like, I think I mentioned last week that no one had ever seen anything like Saw before. Right. Not necessarily true. Um, if you had, if you didn't ever watch foreign movies, you'd never seen anything like Saw before. Yes. Yeah. Right. I absolutely agree with that. Right. If you had seen this, you you saw like the genesis of this because mm-hmm. this is as brutal a torture scene as there has ever been in any film ever. Yeah, even the um some of the bigger like torture porn movies still don't hold a candle. They, they don't have flame to this. Far. Yeah. This scene. Mm-hmm. Because they're American. <laughs> well, yes. And also like <laughs> and it is absolutely like I said, this this scene was in danger of being ludicrous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Were it not for Sheena's performance. Mm-hmm. Like, she is... When we were watching the movie, I was like, she still sounds like a stewardess. Yeah. Like, she literally sounds like a flight attendant giving you, like, the, like, safety lecture right. when she is talking about how her, like, piano wire saw is going yes. to cut his foot off. Now we're going to lock your feet right into this mechanism. Yes. And I'm going to wrap it with piano wire and saw it right off. And like the, the, the girlish glee that she, like, it's not even necessarily that she looks like she's getting off on it. Right. Right. Cause that's not quite what it is. It mm-hmm. is childish. Yes. She is playing with him mm-hmm. in, in like the most literal way, like a child with her toy. Yes. And it is absolutely chilling. You're just like, oh my God, she is so far gone. And she has a lot of skills, right? Like she has studied. Yeah. She says it. She tells him that she has studied pain and suffering. Like she knows exactly where to put those. Like she's the like opposite of an acupuncturist, right? Where she <laughs> right. like, she knows exactly where to put those needles where they will hurt the most. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, okay, so in fairness, it doesn't, it doesn't like, you know, take much of a expertise in pain and suffering to know that cutting somebody's foot off is going to hurt. I mean, fair. But, however. However, well, still. I, and I don't think that that necessarily ties into that aspect of it. It's, I think that the foot thing is more of a. You cannot leave if you don't have feet. Exactly. She does say that. You mm-hmm. cannot leave if you don't have feet. Mm-hmm. Damn it, I missed it again. Her throwing the foot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that is just such a classic i mean that really is a classic to kashi Mike move right is that he puts in this moment that is genuinely funny mm-hmm. in the middle of this in the middle of this scene that is you know taking your breath away it's so terrifying and and so not even terrifying just like disturbing 
And then all of a sudden she like throws the foot and it hits the window and you start laughing. And like that is, that is what he is known for. Right. Such an incredible filmmaker. The fact that he made so many movies, like that he makes so many movies in such a small time frame mm-hmm. that are just pure works of art, mm-hmm. like is crazy. Baffling. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. So, so to go through the little torture scene real quick. So oh, yeah. So here's all the things she does. Yeah. Here's what she does to him. <laughs> she starts with acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And reverse acupuncture. The reverse acupuncture. She starts first off with the like the torso, and then. Oh wait, wait, wait! We should say that she does. She not only drugs his drink, but she then injects him with a nerve agent that paralyzes him. Yes. She injects it into his tongue. Yeah. Like not. I'm not even sure, like, like, you know, not suspending your disbelief for a moment. Like, I'm not even sure that would work. <laughs> yeah. I was a little curious about that myself. I'm like, w- the, the needle would go, like, right through that. but And it I does. Yeah. Like, you see it go right through his tongue. I'm like, so none of that actually got into his body. Right. Right? But neither here nor there. Again, it's a horror <laughs> movie. We're suspending our disbelief. Right. So uh, she, she chooses a particularly horrific way to mm-hmm. administer this drug that paralyzes him right so that that's important to note because because he is without any sort of chemical um assistance she would be no match for him she's right. tiny right mm-hmm. so although she's also insane so she might be stronger than she seems but he is paralyzed yes and it is also uh, we should note too that that specific agent while it numbs him in a way where he can't move and paralyzes him, it doesn't actually numb any of his nerves. Right, He can yes. feel everything. He can feel everything. He is 100% aware he just can't move. Yes. Well, he can kind of move, but he can't He can't move very well. Yeah. He just kind of jerks. Right. <laughs> it's. It almost seems like more like involuntary movement. Right, than yeah. It's just like, yeah, I mean, she's hitting nerves. Yeah. That's what, that's what nerves do. Right. So... Another, like, chilling part. So, like, of course, acupuncture itself, like, watching what she was doing was slightly terrifying. Mm-hmm. But when she slides up his torso. Oh, my God. I I have a physical reaction when she does that. Yep. Because, like, it's not just how much that must have hurt him. Like, uh huh. she sits on those needles. Yes. Ugh. And she doesn't react. Nope. At all. Like, I I do every time, like, you know, I've, I've seen this movie however many times. Like, I don't watch it every week. It's not actually that pleasant a movie to watch, right? But <laughs> but I've seen it a few times. And every time, I know it's coming. And mm-hmm. every time that happens, I have a physical reaction. Ugh, like, I get this chill that goes through my body. Terrifying. Because, like, just the sheer amount of pain on both of their parts. Right. That that must have caused. Mm-hmm. And she just... Mm-hmm. And then ends up... Uh, doing acupuncture reverse horrible acupuncture mm-hmm. on his face his specifically eyes. his eyes <laughs> yes yes leave the eyes alone leave the eyes alone please um so once she's finished there she moves down to the feet mm-hmm. so she locks up his ankles and pulls out her handy dandy piano wire mm-hmm. and starts going to town and this scene is incredibly graphic, like incredibly graphic. Right. Although we are watching the uncut version. 
True. The original theatrical release in the United States, actually, even this scene, Mm -hmm. uh, they had cut out quite a bit. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So, like, the the close-ups... What did I read? The close-ups of the needles going into his skin. Mm Mm-hmm. And the... um, the like uh close up on on the wire sawing through his foot and then i think when she throws his foot we're all cut out oh really which is like if they cut out her throwing the foot like we said like this that's just such a great moment right and such a like signature moment for this director that like i i i am a little mad that that was cut out and i'm glad that there's like an uncut version where you can see it with that in there because it's just brilliant (laughs) The, and the title uncut is very ironic because um, <laughs> it sure is a, a lot more cutting in the uncut version <laughs> sure is um so she gets about halfway through the second foot right yeah she's got one foot off entirely she throws it away <laughs> get done out of here you're done foot. with that doesn't care about the foot uh gets about halfway through the second foot and his son comes home mm-hmm. which is very distressing for him because he knows full well that she will kill his son just as soon as as she would kill anyone else right Right. like he's in her way and she's gonna mow him down but she also is caught off guard right right which is probably the only reason the boy survives Mm -hmm. um because she is like she is legitimately like shaken when she hears him coming in. She did mm-hmm. not expect that. Well, because he wasn't supposed to be there. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, she is she is visibly shaken. And so she grabs some pepper spray mm-hmm. and hides. And the boy comes in and sees his father lying there, you know, looking like a, you know, very sad porcupine. <laughs> needles that's all <laughs> poor guy poor guy he lost a foot <laughs> lost a foot his other foot's on its way out <laughs> it is right before Asami sneaks up behind his son that Aoyama wakes up in the hotel mm-hmm. by the sea immediately after he and Asami have made love right and he thinks for a moment that he just had a horrible nightmare. This is also a hilarious sequence, (laughs) at least for me, (laughs) because like he's clearly still suspicious of her. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And like the idea, like let's pretend it was just a dream, right? Like the idea that he would still be suspicious. (laughs) And, like, still feel uneasy about her, even if it was, like, his own psyche that had produced this entire, like, fucked up scenario. Right. Like, it's just, it's so funny to me. Like, when she's, like, lying on his chest and saying that she will marry him. Right. And And he's like, oh, God. He, like, looks down at her. (laughs) so funny. I love it. He's like, you haven't been in the head that I was just in. Right. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, I don't, like, I don't know how you know, a dream could have caused me that much pain, right? Like, it sure does feel like a memory. Um, 
And it is because that is in fact a dream. Although people do argue about, people do debate about uh, which part is a dream and which part is real. Which is fair. Which they is back fair. and forth a lot. Yes. However, um, Mike himself has stated that the torture scenes are real. Right. That 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 part is what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And that part is not in his head. Right. So he is just the the being back at the hotel with her um when she was still his fantasy. Mm-hmm. Is just a trauma response. Right. Right. It's just his brain being like, we can't be here anymore and just bye. <laughs> right? Like Yeah. <laughs> yes, which I think was brilliant to throw in there. Right. Because you are the, you as the viewer are not sure. Right. Like the fact that people still debate this is because it is done in such a way that the abruptness with which the scene switches Mm -hmm. is exactly how you wake up from a nightmare. Right. Right. And so it's, it was, it was the execution of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, not the sort of, like, there wasn't any kind of, like, you know, weird sort of fade out or anything. It was just, like, he's awake. Right. And you're like, oh. This is all a dream. Really? Which, how fucking pissed would you have been? Oh, that would have been the worst. (laughs) If that had been the end of the movie. I'm like, like, no, 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 no. If she had said that she would marry him and he, like, closes his eyes. If that, like, I'm like, they could have ended the movie here. If those credits rolled right then. And people would have lost their goddamn minds. Yes. Like... I almost, I almost want it. Like, I almost want it, right? Like, I almost want to, like, show this to somebody who's never seen it and just turn it off there and be like, that's the end of the movie. And just have them be like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> Evil. I know. Evil. I know. Do it. <laughs> Do it and record it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It'll be on Fright Club. <laughs> <laughs> Here is our Fright Club video. Fright Club video. <laughs> um, so anyway, she lays on his chest. She says that she will marry him. Mm-hmm. He closes his eyes to go to sleep. He wakes up. He's still a sad porcupine. Yeah. <laughs> and she is attacking his son. And mm-hmm. he is powerless to stop her because he's paralyzed. Right. Luckily, since... The son got the drop on her, right. right? He is able to escape, mm-hmm. right? Um, he runs away. She's chasing him with the mace or prep, like whatever it is, right? Whatever Something in an aerosol yeah. like that she's spraying at him. Um, and she does start to spray his face, but he manages... They're at the top of the stairs and he manages to kick her down the stairs. Right. And she uh, breaks her neck. Her neck breaks after she falls, which is weird. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that whole that whole like, I mean, neck you know, pulsating right. situation. The, that's not how necks work, right? Like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand exactly what's happening. Like after that, like after that little moment, it looks very realistic. Oh, absolutely. But like just for that little moment, it's like, wait, did her neck not snap until after she'd hit the ground? I'm I... confused. But neither here nor there. Um. So, she's gone. She's dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the boy comes back downstairs and 
Aoyama's like, uh, call the police. <laughs> I'm bleeding to death. Like, Hi, here I am. Hi. You still, see this foot? Still a sad porcupine. Please help me. Right. Yeah, you see this foot? I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> it's over there. <laughs> it's by the door. <laughs> see where the blood spatter is? Follow it down. Yeah. <laughs> um... And then as, so as sort of like, uh, and really, so the boy call, is calling the police, mm-hmm. but they end the movie somewhat ambiguously, right? Yes. Because like, he is lying there bleeding out mm-hmm. and he is hallucinating. Right. Right. Like, because she's over there clearly dead mm-hmm. and yet she's speaking to him and she's saying what she said to him on their first date. So... And then it sort of, you know, fades out. And the last thing, the last thing you see is her as a little girl uh, lacing up her ballet shoes. Right. But like, so you don't actually know if he survived that or not. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. End of film. Fin. How do you say that in Japanese? I don't know. But. <laughs> I don't think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so this film is alternately uh, described as deeply misogynistic mm-hmm. and sharply feminist. <laughs> Sometimes by the same person. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. one can seem to make up their mind if this movie is misogynistic or not. And it's, and I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of dependent on how you interpret it. Right. Well, and also like, This might be an unpopular opinion mm-hmm. on my part, but I tend to think that, like, um, the vengeful female is not feminist. Right. But I understand that that is the sort of evidence that people give to why it's feminist, right? Because she is taking revenge mm-hmm. on these these men who have hurt her. Right. Right. And also, so I will also acknowledge that we are american right this is very true yeah so there are nuances of this film and of any 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 film from a different culture that you are just not going to understand Mm -hmm. right because there are nuances of of that culture of that society of of those sort of like gender dynamics Mm -hmm. that like might resonate because there are things that are similar, but but there are also things that are gonna gonna be a little bit different. Right. Right. So um, one thing that I will say, right, that I do agree with is that the men in this movie are punished for being misogynistic. Absolutely. Like one hundred percent. Like yes, the men in this movie are misogynistic. One hundred percent, and they are punished for it. One hundred percent. Right. Whether or not that makes Asami a feminist icon or not. I, here's my, here's my thing with it that I feel like works against that theory is she lies too from the beginning. Yes. I was actually just going to say that (laughs) is that she is targeting him. Yes. Like I said, we're not entirely sure when she begins targeting him, but it's not like she decides to do bad things to him when she sees his wife's picture 
Right. No, this has been planned. (laughs) already in the house Mm -hmm. with her torture kit Mm -hmm. when she sees the wife's picture. So the idea that that is the moment that she snaps is ludicrous, right? right? Like, the woman is a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And she has a type. Right. Now, and she's clearly a master manipulator. Mm -hmm. Right? Although that is the... That is something I love about the friend being able to see right through her. Yeah. Because for all the talk of um, various serial killers, I mean, the the one that comes to mind is Bundy, right? We talk about how Bundy was so charming and nobody saw through him and yada, yada, yada. That's not true. There are tons of stories of women who came forward and like, yeah, I was approached by Ten Bundy. He creeped me the fuck out so I didn't get in his car. Right. Right. So like there is that like, there is that sort of balance where it's like, are you being targeted and does it work? Right. Right. Which is actually like a, a rings very true. Um, And so I, I do like that detail. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it not only demonstrates that. She's a psychopath and people could tell that like there were people who could tell that, but it also demonstrates like how, how little he thought of her as a real person. Yep. Which is misogynistic. Right. Yeah. I, he wanted a paper doll. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but there is dimension to this woman. You're just not seeing it. I mean, there are parallel dimensions to this woman (laughs) and that's so and that's why i kind of feel like while i like i think that it is incredibly misogynistic and i do not i don't personally think that it's very feminist Mm -hmm. i get where people are coming from yes yeah yeah yeah. absolutely i i i think that i think that it is a commentary on the misogyny Mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily make it feminist right right but it does um they are they are doing something it's not just an exploitation picture right right like they are doing something with substance here mm-hmm. where they're talking about how um they're talking about how japanese society at large treats young women mm-hmm. especially young pretty women yes right and that you know she was repeatedly abused and no one was held accountable for that mm-hmm. until she decided to hold them accountable herself. Right. So there are, there are definitely like glimmers of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't, so I don't consider this movie misogynistic, but like I said, I also do not necessarily consider the woman driven crazy who go, then goes out and starts like, you know, shooting the place up or like whatever right there are plenty of american movies like this too um i don't necessarily consider that feminist either it's a complex film it is a complex film Mm -hmm. and like i think it could be in a way considered more feminist if all the only person that she ended up getting revenge on was the man that actually like sexually abused her right i mean that part you do you do cheer a little. yeah (laughs) you do cheer a little when that guy's head comes off right join us next week for silence of the lambs Mm -hmm. oh my god we literally just decided this and I'm so excited. 
Make sure you bring your fava beans. <laughs> bring your and a nice Chianti. A nice Chianti. <laughs> this is gonna be another one like The Exorcist, where like I'm just spouting lines from it because I can recite this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair. I should also uh just do myself a favor and watch at least one episode of Clarice. Not that I'm going to tie that into this, really, but I should make that happen because it is there. It is there. And it's pretty exciting. Yeah. My mom started watching it, which I was like, Mom, <laughs> that's that, not your forte. But that is the thing about Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Even people who don't like horror movies like Silence of the Lambs. It's true. Because it is just a masterpiece of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like, just hands down. It A great film. Yeah. Transcends genre. So 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 wonderful Mm. um so not that so again i've not seen it at all but Mm -hmm. just a slight a slight review so far of the part of an episode that my mom watched she's like i cannot believe that this is on regular tv well i mean but so was hannibal i was just yep it can't be worse than hannibal so join us for that we're very excited clearly until then uh rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts. you can follow us on spotify you can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms uh we have an instagram at f and frights podcast we have a twitter at f and frights pod we have a website at f and frights podcast.com um you can also scream at us at scream at f and frights podcast.com and then of course we have our patreon fright club mm. and katie mm-hmm. What is the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club, and this is a big one, do not think with your penis. <laughs> do not think, do not think with your genitals. Let's, like, let's, let's be inclusive here. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Do not think with your genitals. Use the head on your shoulders. Please and thank you. Right? Like, doesn't matter how hot somebody is. It does not mean that things are going to go well. It does not mean, it does not matter how long it's been since you've gotten laid. Like we said at the beginning of the episode, even if he hadn't fixated on a sexual sadist. Right. Still was not going to end well. Right. Because it was a bad idea. Stop lying in the beginning or really at all in your relationships. But specifically at the beginning. Especially at the beginning. Right. Like. You start off with a lie. The whole thing's just a lie. Right. Yeah. Like. Right. Like. (laughs) Stick with the fact that that's a bad idea. Like, let's let's take the the sort of warning of audition rather than like, the, rather than like the example that how many fucking rom coms have set for us, and just say that lying Ugh. to start a relationship's a bad idea. Yes, don't do it. Bad news bears. Bad news bears. Use your head. The one that is on your shoulders. On your shoulders. Yeah. Or. It might stop being on your shoulders. Right. As we've seen. <laughs> so, gays and ghouls, tune in next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. But until then, sleep tight.